Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Overtime production. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get a chance to dive into kind of our weekly or weekend services and talk a little bit more about it. Um, for those of you that have not met me, I'm Ben. As you can see from the screen, Gary is here with us as well. He preached this past Hey, everybody. So uh, we're doing this because of COVID-19. We're doing this remotely. And so, as you can see, you're in Gary's home, you're in my home, who knows, you might have a couple dogs barking here, you might have a couple dogs barking for Gary's side of things, I don't know, who knows, it's, it's crazy, but it's fun. So, it um, is what it is, yeah. It, it is what it is, so we're, we're glad that you're joining us, whether you're joining us live or whether you're listening to this uh, via podcast, you can find it on our website, a bunch of other different places. We're so glad that you're joining us for Easter series that we just started. Um, where Gary was sharing, and primarily out of Mark uh, chapter 11. And so we're excited to kind of jump into that. Do want to always try and give you a quick update of things that are happening around the church. And due to COVID-19 right, COVID right now, there isn't really any updates. And I guess that is the update, is that church activities right. <laughs> are canceled right now through April 6th. That's is when we're canceled. We heard that uh, for Maryland schools, there's a little bit of a different policy there. And so we're still evaluating that. And it's kind of a fluid situation to where Tuesdays and Fridays, we're figuring that out. So tomorrow, as we're recording this on a Monday, and then it goes live on Tuesday. So by the time you are watching this or hearing this, we should have an update for you. We'll let you know. We promise we'll take care of you and give you as much information as we can as we figure this out. But this is all new, so uh, I should probably pull up a calendar just so that I get that right. So this weekend services, the 4th and the 5th, they will be hosted online only. And we That's have right. a bunch, bunch of different other offerings that we're doing online. So stay up to date through our Facebook. Um, oh, Gary, I think we might've lost you there. I'm not sure. Um, stay up to date on our Facebook, on our, uh, our website, as well as on our, kind of give us, a preview or, or kind of remind us what we talked about over the weekend service. Absolutely. So basically we were looking at Jesus who came into the temple and uh, he basically did this um, renovation of the temple and was talking about how God was now doing things differently, um, inviting people into a real relationship with God where um, that actually bypassed without having to bring a sacrifice, without having to go to the priest, but actually just by being there and, and being able to actually pray and engage with God that way. So that was the story that we were looking at this week. Yeah, and so as we kind of jump into that, um, I, I feel like all of the, the uh, attention, I guess, uh, in this passage goes specifically to Jesus and the right, because as That's we correct. look at, at chapter 11, and, and maybe we'll go into that. Uh, I feel like I'm, I've got a bunch of thoughts here that we can talk through. But um, as we go into that, I think that that was, that's a really significant part. Because I think at first glance, especially me, I've looked at this and read this and gone, okay, that's kind of weird. Jesus talks about a fig tree. But wow, Jesus tossed the temple tables. Like he got angry and he was throwing things or significance. And you talk about this in the message, but and maybe to a deeper level, what was the significance of the fig tree that you had talked about? Yeah. So the fig, the fig tree actually was a metaphor for Israel. Mm -hmm. And basically the Old Testament talks about in that how Israel is doing, um, it really does show up in the fruit. 
of um, this fig tree. And so there's a real tie-in between who Israel bookends this whole um, temple scene by starting off with the parable of the fig tree where Jesus actually sort of curses it. And then um, later it ends up, the disciples go by it again and they see that it has no fruit, that it's actually withered. And so there's a metaphor there for the fact that Israel is fruitless and they're not producing the kinds of things that God wants. And so, um, which then plays right into the temple, which I think is really good for us to, you know, to, to see as well. Yeah, you, you had said, I'm just looking at the notes that I took, and I try and take some detailed notes, but you said uh, that the fig tree represents Israel, but that it was a barometer um, of the health to, of Israel. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, that um, in, in, a, in the same way that the fig tree produced fruit, Israel was supposed to, which is yeah. part of why Jesus and also before him, John the Baptist, comes and talks about this baptism of repentance, because in the baptism of repentance, they're actually um, giving up everything, admitting that they're falling short of what God wants, uh, but they're also bypassing the temple and doing that. And um, so that sort of ends up with Jesus's tricky question at the end, where he says, you know, was John's baptism from heaven or not? And they're like, ah, right? They're too worried about what everybody's going to think instead of what it really means to follow um, God in that. So. I feel like there's, at first glance, when you look at the story, there's so much that it's easy to just brush past, like that fig tree yeah. being the first of many examples, because again, I've already alluded to it. Like, I feel like I, I did that. Even as I first started getting into like youth ministry, I'm going, okay, I don't really understand that. But I remember preaching on this passage. And um, now I'm a 33-year-old kid that has no idea what he's doing, but that's a different story. Same here. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like there's so much when you actually do get a deeper understanding of what's happening here in scripture, how everything kind of the flip or the script script is flipped in so many different ways. How, when Jesus came and what he was actually doing was changing everything that they knew, right? Like he changed everything. The case story, it makes so much more sense when you put it in context of going, okay, this fig tree represents Israel and Israel was not bearing the fruit that it was, it was supposed to, that it should have been. And I think we'll get to this in a bit because you you specifically mentioned it. It's like, so it's not producing fruit. And instead of looking looking to God as their redeemer, as their rescuer, as their savior, really what it becomes fascinating, at least for me, as we, we went to yeah. that. And, um, and yeah, so you had talked about, I was curious if you could give a little bit more history about um, in verses 15 through 17, it's kind of talking about what I would probably say almost seems like a marketplace mentality that's happening in the church. If there was, you talked about a coin exchange and a temple tax and you could buy yeah. uh, different sacrifices and what that looked like. Is it, is it accurate to say that it was kind of like a, a market and then the temple? What, what did this look like? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great idea or a great um, insight from you. I, so it's, it's interesting. There's a couple of things going on. Um, one is that, and this maybe goes back to a point you were making a little bit earlier, Ben, that um, the reality is when we approach Scripture and we find something that we don't know, right. so instead of shying away from that, which I think we often do, and we say, oh, I don't get that, I'll just sort of ignore it, um, actually, I think when we dig deeper into it, then we actually do find a meaning. And so that's part of what happens with this parable of the 
fig tree is that people go, oh, I don't get that. So right. I'm just going to stay away from it. But the reality um, is that what happens then is that we actually get a chance to um, go deeper into what's happening there. Customs of the day. I mean, a lot of times it, it we're missing a contextual background piece that yeah. would help us to really be able to understand that. That's why it's important to say um, that the fig tree uh, or the fig itself actually represents Israel because then yeah. we start to get the, the story of what's happening here. And so again, that first part is that Israel is not producing fruit. That's a very important point. When you get to the temple, then what happens is Jesus sacrifices. Yeah, now, right. I would say too, though, that we do see, um, this is a really cool passage because this is one of the places where Jesus just gets really angry. Yeah. And I would say that this is a kind of righteous anger. I mean, I think there is a zeal that he has for God's house right. that actually uh, consumes him. And, and he's not willing to just see everybody here. And basically, I would say, they're just going through the motions. They're doing right. what they need to do so that the righteous anger that says, I, this isn't good. And so there were a couple things that were pretty common then. I mean, one was that um, you did um, basically probably buy a sacrifice there because there was a lot of danger in trying to bring a sacrifice from your home. And yeah. part of it is because of the purity principles. Like if you had a lamb, but the lamb got hurt on the way to the temple, then it wasn't really good enough to like it, it couldn't be okay here's yeah. here's a sheep it broke its leg i gotta destroy it anyway like that wouldn't exactly suffice. it had to be a perfect sacrifice right which i think does point to um what god's looking for because god wants us to always bring in the first fruits like you know yeah. we're not bringing like you said we're not bringing the one thing that would die anyway we're actually bringing something that is costing us something right and, and that becomes the sacrifice and so so there was, they did have to actually pay a temple tax. And one of the things that happened was um, the reason they had money changer tables is because a lot of the currency at that time actually was sort of linked to idol worship, but also even had symbols of pagan gods on them. So it was very common that they would bring in their money, but they would exchange it. Um, for something that wasn't didn't have a symbol of a pagan god on it. See where the animals would have been located and all this would have been happening was even in more of an outer courtyard. So this okay. this calls into question, this is the problem, okay? It calls into question the interpretation that Jesus is actually cleansing the temple. Because okay. the reality is that um that this is not a defiled temple like you would have had back in the days of the Maccabees, where the Romans actually invaded. Where actually then, um, uh, there was a procedure that the Israelites had to go through to cleanse mm -hmm. the temple. Mm -hmm. So that's where this becomes a little bit of a mis misnomer, because Jesus isn't so much saying, um, this te temple needs to be cleansed right now. And this is where, this is where I disagree with the kids own video but that's okay because it was good and i appreciated it but, but that's one of the things i think that you have to sort of you're missing that and so here's jesus the lamb of god he's standing right there um and he's the perfect sacrifice so yeah and so i did i did write that down in my notes the the ritual cleaning of the temple and the maccabees and it's i don't know if it's important or not but maybe a point to pull out is that um, the, the Protestant Bible is different than the Catholic Bible in, in the sense yeah. that the, the Catholic Bible has, what is it, 11 extra? We believe as Protestants, we believe that they hold some historical reference. We don't believe that they're inspired 
word like inspired scripture in the same way that we hold our Bible, which does not have the Apocrypha. So, so that's where first and second Maccabees comes into play. And while there's a lot of historical things that are talked about, such as what you're talking about here, I'm assuming that that's a story. I haven't read that one about the pig, but uh, yeah. I know that like Sarah Lee described it as, as a divine inspired scripture. So that's correct. Um, that's correct. So I, I so, guess I was curious just for my own personal reference. Is there anything more to that story or just basically the Romans came, they sacrificed the pig and, and the Jews are, they've got to clean the temple. Yeah, I think, well, I guess that, you know, part of it is that, um, you know, there is a difference between what the Protestants have always them, And I find it helpful to read those um, historically, because I think, a lot of times we do gain a sense of what's happening historically when, um, when we do read that. But there's a big difference between that um, being a good historical um, you know, right. rendition of what's happened and it actually being scripture. So yeah. um, in, in the... Uh, if I can make a comparison, it's like the work of Josephus, who was a... Yeah. We don't hold them to the same level that we hold the Bible. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's good. It's good reading. It's some historical background, um, but we don't see it as inspired scripture. And and there was, you know, there was a whole um, criteria for what became um, seen as reliable scripture and what didn't. And so yeah, that's right. important for us to know as well. Right. So yeah. kind of jumping back to the story, I feel you made a point to say, you know, at this point, the temple is the place where people worship. People are gathering, they're coming, they're bringing their sacrifices, they're doing the sacrifice, and then there's usually some type of a celebration afterwards, right? Like there's, yeah. I, I guess in my mind, what I picture is a baptism. Family comes in, everybody comes around, you do this event at church, and then it's, hey, let's celebrate what God has done. Yeah. And you made a, a, a really interesting point, and Jesus went right to the party. He was saying, hey, the sacrificial system, and and now we can look back in hindsight, knowing that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, that he would be crucified on Calvary. And so this old system of sacrifices would be done away with, with the ultimate sacrifice, and that was Jesus. That's right. And so Jesus was going right to the party. He was skipping the sacrifice. He was going right to God and saying, hey, you don't have to go through means of a sacrifice. Imagine that the Jews in that time, if they didn't recognize Christ as the Messiah, even after all of the events, yeah. that would be the hardest thing ever, right? And it, historically, yeah. as we look at Jewish, uh, most Jews now, they, they don't accept Christ as the Messiah, and so they missed what God was doing and all of that. So for them to hear Jesus kind of doing this and changing it, it goes against everything that they would want to kill Jesus because they missed yeah. what he was actually doing. He came to fulfill the law that they had studied, that they had known, that they had learned. And, and Jesus, as you said, I love the saying, he went right to the party. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what happened. I, what he did was he, um, he really skipped all the temple stuff. I mean, yeah. he didn't go to the priest. He didn't, you know, he didn't go um, and make a sacrifice given. And, right. Um, right. and not only that, but forgive others as well. And, right. you know, so he, he cut out all that extra sacrificial stuff and said, you know, this is what it's about. It's about, you know, this relationship with God, where God, once yeah. we ask God to do something, God will do it. And so that was really a cool deal. And of course, you know, part of what he's doing is he is skipping. He's going past yeah. the um, temple sacrifice right to the party. He's saying, you know, I mean, yeah. that's very different. 
I mean, Jesus was the ultimate rebel of going, no, he's, he's not, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And this is yeah, that's the right. first time that anybody could, would even consider or think about that there because everything that they knew was tied up in this system, which the system wasn't bad. This is what God gave the Jewish people. However, God was now changing what he was doing and what had been doing. And, and I think it's Jesus or is it about the temple? And you had even yeah. used a, a great illustration of, of the signpost verse, versus what the thing is, is that God's pointing to. Like you use the illustration of a dog. Can you say that one more time just in case anybody missed it? I sure, thought it was sure. so good. And maybe it's because I'm always pointing to my dogs like, look over there. And they never <laughs> We do that too. So, <laughs> yeah. So what happened was um, basically um, there were a couple of signposts supposed to point to who Jesus was. Right. And so, um, so what happens here in the, the illustration was this, it's like, you know, if you ever have your dog and you're like, you're sort of pointing and saying, hey, look at that. But your dog is actually looking at your finger, right? And I've done that with our dogs. You know, it's like you go, wow, look out there. And they're, and they're like, what? And they're looking yeah. here. And But so what happened is the Jews missed that because Jesus, you know, um, John. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and it was good. So. And you know what? In all, fair, in all fairness, we miss the stuff God's doing yeah, all the time absolutely. too, right? Absolutely. Like, I feel like I am my dog as I'm like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> my wife will like point things out all the time and I'll miss them too. But that's another story. So um, another thing that you had talked about was that one of the, in response to what Jesus said was that he said uh, prayer, but they had made it into a den of thieves. And then yeah. you kind of talked about the importance of prayer in a believer's life and it not being something that's, um, uh, it's not a passive activity. So uh, was there more in that that you wanted to share or even just recollect those thoughts, I guess? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, part of what happened is that, um, you know, prayer is supposed to be something you're going to get it. And that's right. really, that's radical. I mean, he's, he's subversive. He's, he's yeah. not going by all the old game books. He's, he's now got a whole new game going. And so, um, and so again, and I was reading actually, Arnell and I were reading about um, prayer lately and, and she had actually made this point that, um, you know, you think about the grandparent who's been praying for a child for years, yeah. but then, yeah. so it's interesting because, you know, when we pray, we actually enter into eternity. And um, I had never thought about that before, but she thought about it. And I thought, wow, that was a great insight. So, you know, whenever we're praying, we're actually entering into something that God's already about. And, yeah. um, and God is going to honor that prayer. And at the right time, that prayer will be answered. And so, um, so again, this whole idea of actually just being able to go straight to God, given, and then, you know, you could have the party. And Jesus is saying, nope, nope, we're just skipping over that because forgiveness is free. All you have to do is ask for it, and then you go right to the party. Yeah, yeah. And it's so cool, too, because when you think about prayer, I get to join in what God is already doing, right? Like, Yeah, that's right. There's there's a hope in that because it's not, okay, I've got to bring this to God's attention because clearly he doesn't know about it. Like, But this yeah. is what it does like of God. It's not like God is unaware yeah. that he doesn't know what I need or what I want. Um, but prayer has a way of aligning my heart to his and it's just there's something special and powerful about prayer when we can do that and we can truly pray you know the way that we're, we were taught to pray um yeah that's right well the prayer prayer 
prayer actually changes us, which I think is yeah. interesting. So I think that, you know, in communication with God, what happens is God actually changes us. And so yeah. that's really a really important part of prayer that sometimes we miss. Sometimes we just think, I want the stuff I want. You know, I want God to answer and do what I want. You know, when we're doing that, we're, we're acting like God instead of letting God be God too. So yeah, yeah. got to think about all that. So this is good. I feel like that's the first four verses, but uh, <laughs> I'll try and what Christ is about to do on the cross. And, um, yeah. and so the Jews have a hard time with that, and they decide that they start to plot to kill him. Um, and that's where you see Jesus. We're at, I think, 18 to 19 is where we see Jesus toss the tables. And you talked specifically about God's passion. Like even today on this podcast, you've, you've mentioned that. But, but I think that that's, that's something that, I don't know, I guess I haven't heard all that much. Like, can you speak a little bit more to that? Like, so the passion that God had, not just anger. Like, their passion and anger, I think, are, are different. A lot of times they can be one and the same, yeah. right? Like passionately right. angry. Okay. That's not so good, but I think it's good to separate those out and almost to talk about it. So can you just kind of bring that up again? Yeah, I'd be glad to. So I think that part of it is that um, being a Christian means that right. sort of was the slang that was used for the early church, but it was actually, they took it as a compliment because right. they were trying to model what Christ was doing. Right. And um, so in that, um, and I said this phrase that we learn to allow the things that break God's heart to break our heart. Mm-hmm. That's to me where passion comes in. I'll tell you the the big background for me on this is that for years and years at churches I've been at, I've used the shape inventory is that it has this whole idea of it, it starts off with the shape is an acronym. So it stands for spiritual gifts, heart, um, you know, just all these different aptitude and yeah, you know personality right. and, um, uh, and then also experiences. And so that's the shape idea. But but what I like is this idea of heart. Like, so here's the deal. What what has God laid on your heart? Like, and that's yeah. where it comes down to me as a and and when you start to actually unravel that, then you start to get to a sense of part of what God's call on your life might be. Because yeah. whatever it is that God is actually really impacting you with are the things that God's also calling you to do something about now that's a fruit there's a fruit thing right so you know if i go through the motions but i like if i do the sheep inventory but i never do anything else with it i'm just going through the motion people and so so i think that's really important and i i guess that in a nutshell i think um basically we start off pretty passionate about things like there's there's things in the world we don't like and yeah. But then what happens is we get responsible and we get responsibilities and we yeah. have things we got to do and places we got to be. And after a while, we start to sort of forget about that stuff. And so I, I think, you know, God calls us back to that all the time. And I was, um, Ben, you and I, $50 check that's given to the parents so that eventually that child can go on a mission trip. And right. part of right. what we're doing is we're saying when we give the family that check that we believe that their kiddos are going to be world changers. But what I was trying to impress everybody with is that actually every one of us who believe in Christ, we're meant to be world changers as well. And so, um, so that's where the passion question I think becomes really important for us. You know, how do we live? I I could probably find it, but I don't remember the author's name or the book that it was in. And I might not even be remembering his, his kind of equation correctly, but I remember it was something along the lines of passion plus burden equals mission. Like that's Uh, what you're called to your passion 
plus the yeah. burden that God has given you equals the mission that he's calling you to. Like, and that's what you're yeah. supposed to live out. And I always, I always really, God has given us a passion and a calling to do certain specific things. And I think when we live into that passion is when we live out the calling that God has for us. So yeah, I, I think that so, that's good. It's funny because Rick Warren wrote, you know, book years ago, The Purpose Driven Life, right? Well, yeah. you know, the very first thing that he says in that book is he says, it's not about you. Right. <laughs> it's like, whoa, wait a second. And, and what he's saying is, um, I feel like I could probably go on. I'm not really sticking to my thoughts. Um, but uh, kind of, so we come back to this, this uh, fig tree. And so, as yeah. Jesus walks by, as he's kind of going into Jerusalem, he curses this fig tree. There's this crazy event that kind of happens in, in the temple. And then, uh, what was it? It was the following day, right? As they were coming yeah. back into yeah. the city, they see it. <laughs> First of all, yeah, that's you've right. seen a lot more crazy things if you're one of the disciples. But then I think that kind of I have a couple questions towards this fruitfulness. Like, and it's that point that you've already made that we're kind of continuing to talk about of, man, as, as a believer, really, there should be fruit. And the figs or Israel wasn't really producing the fruit that God had intended them to. And so my question, the fruit that it produces, how do we, I guess there's two sides of that that I'm trying to formulate questions for. One, how do we know if we're not producing fruit and what do we do? Like if I'm a believer and I'm yeah. not producing fruit and I can recognize that, how do I respond to that? But then also the other side of it, what if I am producing fruit, but there's a fear that I'm not producing fruit? Like, so I guess I'm trying to get both sides of the spectrum, uh, maybe start to do that I would begin to be a fruitful Christian that produces fruit. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So, you know, I think that um, one of the difficulties about fruit is that we don't actually produce it. Right. And, and that's where I think it gets really sticky. So, yeah. you know, what happens is when we think we've got to produce fruit, then what happens is we start working. It says that um, the way fruit's produced in our life is simply by abiding, by, by being with, by remaining. And right. that verse in John 15 actually says to make your home in. So yeah. this is the hard thing. Like, you know, we, we want to be fruitful. Um, the reality is that when we're actually connected to Christ, which again goes back to the I am the vine and you are the branches passage, right. um, when we're connected to Christ, then we do become into the, um, you know, you've created a, a den of robbers passage that Jesus used earlier. Um, yeah. Part of what he was saying was that um, the Jewish people were going through the motions, but they were actually going to their hideout. And then in their hideout, they would count their loot and they were basically saying, we didn't really need God for this at all. We were, right. we're okay on our own. So they, they were not showing the fruit of David. You know, it's like, you know, if you want to produce fruit, guess what? You're not going to do it on your own. You, yeah. you have to do it through me. And so, um, so I think that's where then that abiding, making right. our home with Christ becomes the place where then God begins to produce fruit in us. And that yeah makes a difference. And so, and, and of course, you know, the biggest passage that talks about the fruit is the fruit of the spirit, right? right so right. it's patience and love and joy and kindness. And so right. how does that end up being? And see, it's not something I can't, um, I can't force that fruit. Right. That fruit gets lived out in life as I'm walking Jesus, what it means to be more patient and more loving 
towards those who are around me. So that's the rub too. I think that's so so good because the reality is that a a tree doesn't go fruit and then it produces fruit. A healthy tree produces fruit. So I think even to that question, like if I'm a Christian that I'm not producing fruit, well then I think that you need to check where your roots are, right? Like you need to see what you're connected to because if you can recognize that there's no fruit in your life as a Christian, well then I think you've been disconnected from the source of that fruit because that's where the paradox is, is that if I, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Yeah. It just naturally is a byproduct of, of a healthy tree that it will produce fruit. So I I just think that's that's a great, yeah, it's just a great illustration. And, and I think it's so good. Like even the question, like, uh, just to, I think it's I think it's good for us to go. Wait a minute. So then going to the other side. So if I, I'm a Christian and I'm not producing fruit, I really need to check my roots. I need to check the source of what I'm actually producing fruit. What do I need to do? And I feel like you've already answered that. Yeah, I think it's it's sort of the same answer. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit like, well, so how are you connected to Jesus? Now, for me also, and of course, you know, this is my spiritual growth background stuff, but. For me also, it comes through, um, you know, how are you intentionally connecting with God? Like, what are you doing? What are some of the practices that you actually have that is that we end up, um, you know, we're connected to this vine. And as long as the, um, the life of the vine is flowing through us, then we also are producing fruit. So I would say things like, you know, our regular prayer life, our regular devotional life, our um, how we're growing, not not just in, intellectually too. I mean, like I think we always need to get to know the Bible better. But um, but are we actually living the things the Bible's? Hey, I did this, 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 this. I'm done, you know, for right. the day, you know, that kind of thing. But the reality is that um, we're actually invited into this life with God, where yeah. where God is walking with us. And so part of the question is, are are you turning and connecting with God? Are you spending time in, you know, quiet with God, um, in Bible study, all those kinds of things, which again, helps produce fruit in our lives. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all about the relationship that you have with Jesus. I just feel like it's a, I don't know, a fun question. uh, Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. So I, I don't have all that much left. I mean, I feel like I could, but I, I don't think that we need to. So we're kind of, as we come towards the the close of Mark chapter 11, um, or at least I should say, you know, uh, upper 20s comes into play, is that that the the Pharisees come to Jesus and they go, by what authority or whose authority are you doing that? And Jesus, and this is again something that we could easily skip over and not understand because Jesus seems to be like he's playing this weird game, like he knows the answer. It's a riddle that only he knows – but yeah. that's really not what's going on. So, so they ask by what authority, and Jesus asks them a question that explain a little bit more. And I, I feel like we're just recapping the service. Like if you could explain yeah. like the signpost that he was, but then also this, I'll say this riddle almost seems like Jesus is giving them, but the reason as to why he's giving them this riddle. Yeah. So it's it's a great. I I remember seeing um, an acted out skit years ago about. Um, these two guys that were following Jesus and, you know, they're, they're talking and they go, and they'll tell you what, if you can answer this question, then I'll answer your question. You right. know, and right. it's like, wait, 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 that's not fair. We're not, we're not asking that, you know? And so, 
so he says, you know, he says, do you, do you feel that John the Baptist's ministry was from heaven or not? And, oh, it's a great, it's a great question because part of what he's doing is he is saying, um, first of all, he knows that they're not gonna be able to answer this because they're too afraid of the crowd. So there's the first piece, like they'll get torn up by the crowd. Um, if they, uh, so they really feel like they got to say John was a prophet, but he, he just puts it right out there and they can't, they can't figure out what to deal with it. So, so anyway, he asked them that question. And, um, and part of what he was saying here again, was that one of the things that John did was John bypassed the temple as well. Because yeah. here he is, he's out in the wilderness baptizing people simply if they repented of their Yeah, he was just saying, hey, this is how it works. And so, so anyway, the Pharisees, you know, Jesus just knows them. I mean, and here's the thing about Jesus. He knows people's hearts, right? So yeah. again, that's a true question. Like, he already knows our hearts. Like, yeah. he knows, you know, what's going on in us. And so that's huge in itself. Um, but he says, you know, when they say, well, we can't answer that, <laughs> then he yeah. says, you know, it's a great story. And I just think yeah. again that um, one of the things that John did, that, um, excuse me, Mark does is he says, you know, I really can't look at the um, fig tree um, by itself without looking at the temple. And you really, right. you know, so you have that sort of um, starting with the fig tree, the temple incident, and then the ending with the fruit, with the fig tree. And yeah. all of that then, basically points to the fact that um, God who takes away the sin of the world is, is right there in their yeah. presence for them to, you know, to actually connect with and understand that uh, Jesus is going to give his life a ransom for all so that right. all can come to know um, and understand. And I like this phrase. It's sort of a came out of Willow Creek community church, but that all people matter to God. I think, you right. know, it is just, that is the thing that God wants us to get is that yeah. all people matter to God. And even like, or those right. that had converted right. to Judaism. So at this point, like Gentiles wouldn't be received, like, which was anybody, the Romans yeah. couldn't be received. Like, and that was one of the last things that I wrote that I'm pretty sure you said, or sometimes what happens when I'm taking notes, I write down what I think you said. So it might be a little bit different <laughs> than what you originally said, but said Jesus hated the broken system that kept others out because he was for all people. And I think that, that, right. was, that was so good because Cornelius and the ministry that Paul had was to Gentiles. But even that, that was a change because initially God was just for the Israelites. But That's now right. we see this change and it first starts with Jesus's ministry. You can see that through the temple that he was for all people, like he's bypassing the system and saying, yeah. no, it's about going directly to God. But then also through the ministry of Peter and the ministry of Paul, you show maybe that things are changing. Like the kingdom of heaven yeah. is not yeah. what you think it is. Yeah. Um, so it looks one different. thing, yeah, one thing to think about, and this is, um, I'm not disagreeing with what you said, but I think what, what you have to go back to all the time, is you have to go back to the call of Abraham and Sarah. Because yeah. at that point, God says, yeah. I have called you to be my people. I'm going to walk with you to that. God is actually saying, you're here. I'm going to bless you because you're going to become a blessing yeah. to all others. And so this is something that's been serious for God from the very beginning. So yeah. that yeah. is one of the places where the temple actually is sort of falling short of what God envisioned. When, yeah. when the temple takes and puts the women in a separate place and the Greeks aren't allowed to be in there or the Gentiles aren't allowed to be in there. And then the Jewish males are here and um, broken when it's ripped, right. when Jesus dies. 
It's ripped from the top to the bottom, right? Right. So this is a great symbolism because it's talking about actually God ripping that right. veil um, and that that then allows all people to enter into the holy place and to be right. forgiven. And so this is a great, you know, this is a great thing that Christ is doing. And when he comes and he becomes that perfect lamb of God, he opens the door for anyway. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Well, oh, I, I feel like that kind of brings me to the end of my notes. We, we've been, okay. uh, I don't know. I think we're, we're about, uh, well, my timer says 50 minutes. I don't know if that's accurate. We might be a few minutes off of that, but I guess any other final thoughts or any additional comments as we kind of draw to a conclusion, like anything else you wanted to add? No, I think, I think we're good. I mean, I, I, it was a fun passage. I, um, yeah. I, and so uh, I know it was a long service. Um, it was a long message. Um, I apologize to those of you that didn't get a chance to watch all. Gary, this it wasn't any longer than what Christian and I have done. So just okay, okay, you're good. making I us feel better that right now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did, I did feel I, I like to wrestle with scripture because I think yeah. that that you know we we grow when we wrestle with it. So um, I just had fun doing that, and so yeah. I hope that showed as well. So anyway, yeah. to this point, thank you for hanging with us. Uh, COVID-19 has really changed a lot of the way that we're doing things, as you can kind of see from our schedule. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to keep you posted as best we can with any updates that we have. Um, right yeah. now, we are closed. Pretty much all events and activities are closed through April 6th. Just, I think I was reading an article that said the government is suggesting maybe even through the end of April. But right now, we haven't discussed. Um, bear with us. Stick with us. We miss you guys. Man, do we yeah. miss you. The idea yeah. of doing... Easter online, while I'm glad we can still do it online, I'm disappointed because oh, I want to come together. But yeah. I also think that it's wise and we need to be prudent and, and be smart in that. So stick with us. We'll update you as we can. Any more updates that we have, check out our website, our, uh, our app. Um, that's another us. Whatever way is easiest, if you have questions for us at Overtime, whether it's related to the message or not, you can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church, and I'll be happy to answer any questions and get them on, online if we can. And uh, yeah, next week we'll be continuing our Easter series. It'll be Palm Sunday then, and I'll actually be talking about kind of the Last Supper and Jesus, Jesus choosing to serve rather than choosing his title. So I'm excited.